Welcome to On The Map. I'm Lee Carriher, your host. I'm the CEO and founder of Double Forte, a national independent public relations, social media, and communications agency. We are on a mission to help companies from the solopreneur to the mid-cap market maker achieve their goal, get on the map, be known for what they're great for, and make a difference in the world. At the end of the show, which is about 20-ish minutes, I will share with you how to become a guest on the show. So please stick around for that. In the meantime, here's the next 23, 24 minutes of greatness in marketing communications and helping people get on the map with real life advice. Here we go. Data Taravi, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for coming for to On The Map. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, Lee. Oh my gosh, we have so many things to talk about. But um, before I pushed go, we were like, oh, and we'll talk about this and we'll talk about that and we'll talk about this. So we have a lot to talk about. Shada has so many things that she can share from her, her uh, own experience of getting her company on the map and now trying to make it even larger footprint. It's going to be such a great show. So excited to hear from you. First of all, tell us about your company. Like, why did you start this company? Why CBD? Why the name? Those three things. Okay, great questions. And I always love to kind of highlight, I am a cannabis person. Right. I think sometimes when you're going through life, you're trying to figure out what is my purpose in life and why was I put here? And I like these things. How do I make sense of it all? And so I always like to kind of, you know, remind not only the listeners that, but really myself that like what a blessing to be able to do what I love to do for my job. But probably like most of your listeners didn't anticipate getting into entrepreneurship. I think sometimes people glamorize it. Oh, I'm got to have this big idea. It is like rolling your sleeves up and getting drenched in mud and water Mm -hmm. constantly. Like you're just pushing through the elements, but again, it's a blessing. I'm proud. I'm grateful to be here. And so, yeah, I am the co-founder and CEO of Restart CBD. We're a women-owned, sister-owned cannabis brand that is headquartered in my hometown of Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. We are about to celebrate four years in business this year. Super exciting. Last year, we were voted the best CBD brand and dispensary by a couple local publications, and we do ship our products nationwide. So I have a great national presence as well. And getting into a little bit of our story, you know, how I got into the industry, how I got into entrepreneurship, like I was, you know, kind of jokingly, but also very seriously opening with. I got into it kind of haphazardly. I always like to reflect on my love for the shark tank. What a great show to inspire opportunity and just the power of creating your own path can be. My parents are also small business owners, very entrepreneurial, but their business hasn't really grown beyond, you know, three employees. It's an insurance agency. So I saw my parents being entrepreneurs. I've had this passion for entrepreneurship. But 
never really got to see up close scaling a business. Right. And so when I graduated college, I ended up getting a job with this tech startup and the tech startup was a very hyper growth startup. So here I was fresh out of college and got to have really a front row seat to watching a company go from, I was employee 13. I exited the company six years later and they had grown in that timeframe to about 600 employees. They went international. We had offices in Texas, California, New York. They had gone into Ireland and the UK as well. So for me, that was the first time I saw scale happen, right? And wearing multiple hats and trying to figure out from a scrappy perspective, how do you grow and scale a business? And so having that as my background and experience, you know, entrepreneurship was always in my ether, but it wasn't like, okay, this is my go-to-market. This is my product. Um, Unfortunately, my story, you know, intercepted. I always kind of refer to like before the accident and after the accident. So I was in a car accident in 2015, where I was hit by a vehicle as a pedestrian and I fractured my pelvis in two places. So, you know, mid twenties experiencing chronic pain. I joke, you know, now I'm the person when the weather changes, I feel it in my pelvis and it's just, you know, with the life. Now it's coming. Snow is coming. The weather's changing. It's like my family Wait, just knows. Wave. Yeah, check in with Shada. Her body's probably feeling it. And so unfortunately, you know, that accident welcomed chronic pain into my life. And so for me, being aware of cannabis, I was very limited in my understanding of what cannabis was. I very much do enjoy the quote unquote high effect, but looking at cannabis from a medicinal perspective was not, was not something that I was aware of, not something I was comfortable with, not something I was familiar with. And so it actually was at the introduction of my mother of all people who said, Hey, how about you try CBD? Now this was back in 2015, 2016 before hemp had federally legalized, which legalized in 2018. And so my mom was kind of ahead of the curve. I was definitely like, you're crazy. Nobody, (laughs) nobody knows what CBD is, let alone me. Who's like this closet cannabis consumer. Like I'm good mom. I don't need this whatever CBD is. You're crazy. But my mom is very persistent and I am the firstborn of three daughters. My father is an immigrant, you know, then. (laughs) And so I'm like, yes, ma'am, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. So my mom bringing CBD into my life really impacted me in, in multiple ways, right? One CBD became something that I could go to instead of the opioid prescriptions that I was prescribed instead of the steroid um, shots that I was being offered instead of looking to other remedies that I always like to be clear too. I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti-Western medicine, but people need to know that there are other options out there that can allow you to be in control of how your body is feeling and healing. And so for me and my family, that's really what CBD was. So my mom introduced me to CBD. I started consuming it. My sister and co-founders, we are women owned sister brand. My sister is a, she's the opposite of me. She's my yin to my yang. I'm over here, like love cannabis. My middle sister is a former collegiate athlete. She is a current Under Armour sponsored athlete. She is the epitome of health and wellness and grew up not being able to put cannabis in her body because of her profession. And so we really bonded over being able to tell my accident and recovery story with her approaching CBD from a health and wellness perspective. And, you know, now in 2022, you hear, oh, CBD can help with inflammation and better sleep and recovery my sister really started seeing me using cannabis from a healing perspective. And that's really where we started to put our thoughts together of, 
wow, we could maybe make a business out of this. But again, 2016, we didn't launch until 2018. So again, it's not like here I am. The federal law for sure helped, but it wasn't like I thought, okay, this is my ticket. I'm going to go start a business. It was just, my family had this experience. Um, You were asking about how we came up with the name. If you can imagine, you know, like you restart your car, you're restarting your engine, you're restarting Ah. your life. For me, again, that intersection of my life before the accident and my life after the accident, CBD and cannabis really helped me navigate my wellness journey and allowed me to restart my life. So during the accident, I had gained a lot of weight. I became sedentary. I couldn't walk for a month post-accident. And you just, you feel physically, mentally, emotionally, just like depressed. It's just like, it sucks the life out of you. You can't be in your body. And so to come out of the accident, to have this new lease on life and just power and opportunity was just so impactful. So we as a family just saw the impact that this product had had on us. My mom was originally making us formulations for me, for my sisters to pick up using it. And so we had this momentum going into, I guess, legalization in 2018. But the sidebar is I didn't, again, go into entrepreneurship. I was laid off of my full-time job. So sometimes people kind of ask, did you find the right time and quit and decide this is the moment I'm going to go into entrepreneurship. Absolutely not. I was definitely of the belief and for sure still am of the belief to some extent, don't quit your day job for your dream job. You have to make sure that you have some stability to get the wheels going, some traction. And I think for us, we had proved the concept enough. So obviously your background is in PR. I'm sure your listeners are very familiar, especially with like getting on the map. How do you get that attention? So for us, it was like that perfect storm. We had this experience with this product. The market was opening up. We are in Texas, in Austin. So there was a little bit more open sentiment, even though there is still a stigma in our state, Uh but people were just very hungry to ask us questions and learn from us. And so very quickly, this side project that I had started before getting laid off, turned into my full-time opportunity once I got laid off. And then the timing of everything really just pushed us into the spotlight and and Mm -hmm. we're for sure going to get into it. Um, Mm -hmm. I have no, no doubt about that. Right. But we've really leaned into telling our story, educating Mm -hmm. customers and really bringing that conversation together to bring us to the point today where, you know, we're the leading CBD brand coming out of central Texas. And I'm very proud of the efforts that we've pulled together to to accomplish this with our business right. in such a tumultuous market. Oh my gosh. Well, and in Texas, um, it's just CBD that's legal, right? Correct. Correct. Right. Hemp is federally legal. And then, right. so hemp was legal in 2018 federally, and then Texas legalized hemp in 2019. Yeah. And we do not have full on marijuana, unfortunately. Right. So I, my company's uh, double forte, as my listeners know, is headquartered in San Francisco. And we work with, um, we actually work with the first um, uh, company to come out from in San Francisco, the first uh, manufacturer, grower, manufacturer, dispenser, da, 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 who came out of the underground to would be illegal, right? Yes. And the whole process. Um, uh, and it's, it's a different, you know, obviously if you're in a legal state, full on marijuana legal state, the whole equation is so different than if you're in, in a, CBD enabled state only, right? Absolutely. So, but CBD, the good thing about CBD is that you can be nationally distributed and not running any problems that you can if you are um, a marijuana um, THC. I'm just called THC because that's yeah. how we differentiated it. THC business, which you can get in trouble as soon as you cross the state line. Anyway, so cool, awesome. Very, thank you. 
So you decide to dispense. So you have to open up a retailer, right? We did. Yes, we decided. Well, first of all, how'd that go for the last two years? You know, it, it actually was really well for us. I think when you look at cannabis from a federal perspective and you touched on it a little bit, right. When you're dealing with, and I'll use your words too, right. THC coming from a marijuana perspective versus hemp and CBD marijuana, you cannot cross state lines as you were saying. So you are limited to doing business within your state hemp because it's federal status allows me to ship nationwide. So Prior to getting into the cannabis industry, the company that I was with was a tech company and we specifically worked in platforms and e-commerce. And so my background was e-commerce. So, you know, the quick little like rewind is when we went to market originally, I wanted to be e-commerce first and foremost. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be to take people's money online, to process, to advertise, but that was already a part of our business. We had kind of like figured that out in the first like year, year and a half of business. And by the time COVID hit, when everybody was scrambling to be online, we were already online. And my sister and I are very comfortable with content. I hate the word influencer sometimes, but we're, we're content creators and we've built up these personal brands. And so we leverage our personal brands to really extend our business socially, digitally. And so we were already on all the channels already marketing with our customers that I would say COVID it was difficult. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there were definitely like the first like couple of months where you're just thinking what is happening and what can I do and what should I do because we're a family business especially going off of, you know, just the parameters that COVID implicated with everything. We definitely had to, you know, not allow our employees to come into the retail scenario. Customers couldn't come into the store, but we actually pivoted pretty quickly and offered curbside. And because it was my sisters and I, and we're all kind of quarantined together. We all still live in Austin, not in the same house, not that we're living with our parents still, but all the kind of like the same, you know, neighborhood esque city. And we, we're all showing up to work and we were operating this curbside operation that allowed us to connect with our customers in a way that still allowed them to get their products. And then, I mean, layer on top of that, you know, just cannabis being seen as a required business in the THC sense, it it really was something that we saw people gravitated towards, especially during the pandemic because of the uncertainty and fear and just the benefits that cannabis can have on your your bio system. Yeah. Right. The anxiety alone. I mean, I remember I was telling someone, well, on March 5th, 2020, I sent everybody home from our three offices. I said, okay, guys, we'll see you in six weeks. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So um, that's really cool. So you said you basically been doing all this work yourself. So you did, I mean, I, did you get a branding company to figure out the branding? What did you do all the programming yourself? How did you do all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that I've really appreciated and, and honed into not everybody has the same skill set, And I always try to echo that when I'm talking and giving podcasts and, and just like connecting with listeners who I want them to feel inspired, but I also want to be really clear. We all come with different skill sets, right? And so I think my sisters and I, fortunately with our backgrounds and with our passions, we really leaned into doing most of it ourselves for the first, I want to say like three years. So talking logos, talking website, talking integrations, packaging, everything that you could imagine that was something that a customer would see and interact with. I mean, we were talking before we were recording, you know, I didn't hire a PR group until 
I mean, we're in business. This will be our four years, literally like a month ago. So I've right. been managing all of our PR, all of right. our media. If you go look at us, we're a very public brand. We get a lot of press opportunities. That was me. That was my yeah. sisters. We do yeah. all of it. So we run our own social medias. Um, so how long create all the content? You for a second? Yeah. So you please. run a business. You're the CEO. Yes. Your sisters are doing other roles in the company. Yes. So, so do you share the chief marketing officer job or? Yes. Yes. We okay. definitely distribute some of the roles so, and have wait, o- overlapping things? ownership. You're doing public relations, you're doing, you're doing meeting media relations. That's what you mean. You're also doing influence, you know, online uh, uh, Instagram, I'm guessing. Yep. Instagram only or YouTube, YouTube. or on Facebook. Facebook. Okay. So you're the three. Are you doing Twitter at all? Say Twitter? that again. Sorry. Uh, we're on Twitter more recently. I wouldn't say it's one of our active channels, but we have a presence. We'll talk about that in a second. So basically you've got your three channels that you're doing. They're all very different channels. You got to do different things for the three different channels all the time. People, social media is not all alike. There's a reason they're different platforms. You need to work natively. Just side note. Yes. You're doing all that. You have a store. So you're doing your merchandising. Another thing you are, um, you're running up, doing a website. I assume you're doing digital ads somewhere. You're doing Google ads and Facebook ads. No, advertising. no ads, no, no ads. So it was all native. Okay, yep. good. Or native and organic growth. Awesome. Yep. Um, and then are you, do you have an email list? What are you doing? We haphazardly were sending emails out for the first two and a half, three years, very inconsistently. Like I'm talking maybe a newsletter every three months when we remembered but we've since hired an email marketing agency Good. and they execute email marketing for the last probably like year and some change. And what us. are they, how often is your, what's your uh, cadence on that? They're probably sending emails out three, four times a week, depending. And they how range from, no? yeah, we have about, I was saying from 14 to 20,000 subscribers. That's great. Okay. So, uh, and did your, did you see your, um, your business increase when you did your email marketing? You know, I can't confidently say that it's interesting how things have distributed for us because it's one trying to track an attribute is already difficult, but in the cannabis industry, because of the way that our systems work for our POS and Mm e-commerce, it doesn't always sync cohesively. So Yes, in theory, thanks to the email marketing platform, I can see the breakdown of the attribution of what is coming from campaigns and flows versus general e-commerce, but has it actually helped lifted all business that I'm still unclear on at this point? We'll talk about it. Um, And then you've done no advertising. I, if you consider one-off advertising in like local magazines, yes, but nothing For for the location. Not necessarily for the online business. Yes, correct. Okay, perfect. Okay, great. Well, hello. You guys know what the hell you're doing. I love it. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Learn some things. Thanks. No, I mean, first of all, it is. So so you're sharing this chief marketing officer job. I mean, you will come to the point where you're like, I can't do this anymore um, because your business is growing like this, right? And it, yeah. it is a full-time job. And the fact that you've been able to distribute it among three people or is it two, two or three people? And then yeah. you've gotten your email because email, I'm just going to tell you. So your business has definitely benefited from your email because 20,000 people are allowing you into your, into their email boxes. Mm-hmm. It's the most intimate thing you can have until someone comes to your store. 
frankly, right. is your email. So, um, and the business of cannabis and the business of CBD is not going to get any less easy <laughs> or any less competitive as you scale, right? right? So the more touches you can have to people in their email box, the better it is. Um, at the same time, you're already on a growth strategy and you're seeing different things happen. So it's very, no matter how sophisticated your systems are, it's very hard to tell where it all comes from, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Attribution I, is I wouldn't worry, worry about it. Don't even, you know, just you're doing the right stuff, right? To do it about it. Well, luckily I'm the CEO, so I report to me. <laughs> I resemble that remark. Yes. Okay, so, um, but basically you sort of, opened a door and then had a website. There you go. Awesome. So when you think about, um, and you just, you just said you've just hired a PR firm. So what made you hire a PR firm? Cause you obviously were getting, I mean, I worked your website, you saw some great coverage. Um, you're getting coverage without them, which is a pain in the butt. Uh, if you don't do this full time, just going to say it out loud. So why did you hire a PR firm if you were doing so well? Yeah, I think for us, it's really looking at what we really wanted to grow and I'll caveat it with also, you know, yes, it's a lot of work doing PR yourself, but because my, to be clear, you say media relations. Well, yes, I guess the traditional hat I'm thinking of is like press. So public relations. So yeah, media relations, media relations. Yeah. I'll use that word from now on if my yeah. brain allows it me to remember different that. Than public relations, but yes, media relations. So media relations, because we have built these local followings, mm -hmm. we are on public relations lists already. Yep. So yep. we're connected to the media right. directly as content creators. And so when, when you say media, let me just be clear. Are you talking about yeah. Austin media, Texas media, or are you talking about cannabis and health and wellness media? I'm well, for me, I'm now tapped into all of the above, but as I would say, local content creators geographically in Austin, I'm talking the local PR firms yep. dealing with local publications. It could expand into Texas, but really local, you know, who is the local yep. magazines, radio stations, right. you know, TV hosts, show hosts, yep. things like that. So mm -hmm. those were already in our friend or, group, if yeah, that's fair absolutely. to say. And mm -hmm. so it's been very nice getting organic exposure because of that. So people know us, they like us, they invite us to collab on things and that's been good. It doesn't come without an investment, right? I don't want to say just How because we've built, yeah, these followings doesn't time. mean it's, it's just easy to get these things. No. It's an upkeep. I have to constantly maintain. I have constantly. to constantly keep up with but it was something that is a very easy extension for yeah. me uh -huh. versus hiring somebody to manage it. It was just like, I already do this. I get these things organically. Why would I go hire someone to achieve this for me? Where I had a harder time was when you're going up nationally, nationally. right? So yeah. when you're trying to get exposure into the women's health, the Forbes, the thought leadership, the authority building, mm -hmm. that is really where I struggled. And it wasn't that I couldn't manage it because I understand the tactics and the strategy of how to connect with these different media people. It's just the time right. and figuring out how to constantly pitch yourself. So I'll interject an example I am familiar with Haro, help a reporter out. I subscribe to it so wow. I can see when every, at least on their list, right? Every 
publication or, or writer is looking for someone to contribute. And so I would see, oh, they're looking for, you know, fun things for Mother's Day, or they're looking for CBD commentary. I would go pitch myself in there and I was getting nothing back. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how do I evolve the strategy? And then I talked to a PR friend and she said, well, maybe you should make a separate email like you're the press for your company reaching out to these people. And I didn't really have a lot of luck. It was kind of on the back burner because every given day I'm spinning a thousand plates. And so it's just like, unless you're keeping up with that one plate every day, every moment, it's easy to fall and crumble. And so it was just something that I had tried to exhaust on my own getting national coverage, but didn't have a lot of traction. And honestly, just, it was not a priority for me to take on that. That's what ultimately decided for us to take on a PR firm with the intention that they are going after national press. I'm still covering local. Their job is to get us national. Awesome. 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 So, um, and I'll just say the Harrow help a reporter out, which is a great resource. If you're not the first in the first 10 people after they said that out, you're not going to get in. And if it's not your job to look at those, because you know, those emails come at a certain time every day. Right. And you're probably busy during those times because you have another job. Right. You're not looking at them right when they come out. You don't have a choice. It's really challenging. And they do ask a lot sometimes of like what you need to pull in for the pitch. And so So just to add on to your point, if you're not prepared with those things, which we've now become more prepared, like I mentioned to a media train, you know, I meet some people and they're executives and then you put a microphone in front of them and they're like, I don't know how to talk about my company. It's like, no, I'm prepared. I know the boilerplate. I have the media, you know, headshots ready to go. The bios of the company, of the executives. so what you're talking about, um, Shada, there is just so much stuff yeah. you have to create to be ready to do this job. Because if you're doing it like on the fly, when you get the thing, they need things on time in a certain format, square inch, no bigger than a one meg, at least 500K. I mean, the whole thing, right? High res photos of your products that you want to pitch. It's like square with a white background, do all the stuff, right? (laughs) And then bios in short, medium, long. And, you know, what's the background of the company? I mean, all this stuff. There's just tremendous amount of material that the the real, you know, when you're doing content, that's one thing. Everyone sees your content. But the stuff you use in PR, a lot of people never see it, right? Because you have to have it all behind because a reporter's going to pull all this stuff. So it is very hard to um, do it on the fly, particularly outside of your world, right? So you have your world in Austin. You're already in your world. They know you. They, they're reaching out ahead of time. They're never going to make it to Harold because they know enough people in Austin. Blah, blah, blah. But as soon as you um, go broader, right? like oh crap people don't know me i now have to like get over the big hump of of like why am i credible right why am i credible so how do you get on the map with other people who you don't know because your map just got from austin which is an awesome town big right but it went from here to right kind of stuff and it's just a lot of it is just getting ready just getting ready for it so it yeah. does make sense. I think, um, so we're just going to like workshop. So we're going to do something new. Never done this before. I hope this is okay. But let's just workshop this. You hired a PR firm and you've been in it a month and you're like, eh, nothing's happened. Yeah. From them. So let's talk about it. So I'm going to, um, 
because at the beginning, before we turned on recording, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I don't know if I should keep them or not. Da, da, da. Okay, so one month is not enough time. I don't know what they told you. I don't know who this firm is. I don't want to know who, right? I don't know what they told you, but one month, nothing's going to happen in one month unless it just falls into your lap like manna from heaven. It's very seldom that the right opportunity for you would match up with a PR firm in one month. You really need to do three months, three months minimum. Really, it's four or five. Because when you go to a national level, um, first of all, the deadlines are much longer. The deadlines are like, they go from like local radio, which is tomorrow, to the deadlines I'm working on. We are working right now on back to school. So it is April 6th. And Double Forte is working on back to school. Don't tell me that. I'm not ready for August. (laughs) Right? I'm just saying. But that's the reality of that. That is the reality of going big, right? So they may be, and I don't know, they should be telling you what they're involved in and what they're doing. And you should agree to their plan. If they haven't agreed, I assume that you have a plan that has a great strategy and the taxes have been laid out and you've agreed to it. So just say yes or no to that. Yes, I have. Okay, thank God. And I'm aware, yeah. Good, good, good. (laughs) And then, but it just, it's a much longer, um, from going from local where you're known and you've built relationships to people you don't know, uh, it's just a much longer tail, right? And again, we are working on back to school. So we're going to start working on Christmas in a month and a half, just so you know, (laughs) right? It's crazy talk, right? So first of all, I hope they're working on back to school timing. Because the other thing about national press, which you need to know, uh, is there's so much, th- so many things that are cyclical, right? I just said back to school, like a lot of products have nothing to do with back to school. But the truth about back to school is that business restarts on September, the day after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. The day after Labor Day is when a whole new set of editorial um, stories and the things happen. So first you got, you got Labor Day. And you got the last picnic of summer and then you got this and then you have school and then in school, like, so you, uh, your sister is an athlete. Um, so, you know, going into the fall season of athletics is a whole nother thing that you guys can be taking advantage of for sure. But there's just a whole nother thing you can't do anything about. You can't do anything about the fact that we're going to have an election in November. You can't do And you live in Texas. It might be a little contentious. You can't do anything about a little bit. A little bit. You can't do anything about the fact that there's and then there's Halloween and then there's Thanksgiving and then there's the holidays. You those just happen, right? And then there's a whole nother set of things that are timely, right? So it's um, it's uh, Cancer Awareness Month. I think is October. Breast Cancer Awareness is probably mm-hmm. October. There's all these months, right? So there's all this stuff that is set up in editorial that you just don't worry about when you're worrying about your local area. So first three months minimum, but if they don't have traction and they can't show you something at the three month mark that is in play for later, hmm. that's another conversation. I'm definitely sure. open to, which is I think just coming from dealing with media relations in the past and being familiar with PR, I have already stomached like this is a commitment that we're doing for the yeah. three to five months yeah it's just more an interesting internal dialogue of yeah. wow when you are hiring somebody else on to advocate on your behalf and so trying to yeah break into that national conversation right yeah 
it particularly you you, since you've done it and, it and I'm sure it's very frustrating, but hopefully um, you'll see some movement, but it's, you know, you get to the point unless you decide that this is going to be your role, right? This is where a lot of entrepreneurs are, right? They're wearing 19 hats and they got to start wearing 15 hats and not 19 hats, right? I would love that. So hard. Uh, but so many, uh, we talked to so many companies about it. So, oh God, I've been doing it so well. Can anyone do it better than me? Nope. No one can do it better than you. Just know that as long as you do it. <laughs> that's yes. the, and that's the end, right? The other thing is at a local level, when you're dealing with, I don't, I'm going to say probably 30 people in your local media space. How many of those people have changed their jobs since you started? Oh, uh, at least half of them, right? Yeah. So, so exponentialize that. In, yeah. Right. Exponentialize that. And you really do want people who are keeping track of this across the nation, right? And in your vertical, right? So your vertical, your industry press, like High Times and all those things, uh, that's a whole other ball of wax, right? And then you're a woman, you're a young woman and your sister company, and there's a whole opportunity there too. So imagine keeping track of all those three things. So product, product, leadership, being a sister company, and then in cannabis. Holy crap, you could not do it all. You need people, you need people to do that, unless you're not going to be the CEO. Yeah, I, I joke. You sometimes. can have the title, but you can't do the job, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, so I absolutely. get it. It's very hard. So um, but um you should have this conversation with your PR firm. Here's what's frustrating to me. It's been a month. Nothing's happened. I know it's going to take time. Believe me, I'm very proactive <laughs> in communicating. I think it's one of those things to trying to figure out for us, right? What is organic where I'm not spending to be a part of something? And is the outcome of that actually attributing to growth? And what does that attribution look like? Like for me, sometimes it maybe doesn't you know, turn into dollars increased or sales, but it's exposure or it's a logo or it's yet. But I think it is really difficult to track. So for example, we do a lot of local news media. So we get tapped for opinions on the legislation is changing or this lawsuit is happening with CBD, blah, blah, blah. You get on the news and it's like airing live. Right. And then you do see people come in immediately. And, oh, news. I saw you on the news. It's so great. Okay. I can attribute it. We maybe, you know, right. have our team marked down. We've like a, how did you hear about us section? Mm-hmm. But then you'll see, I mean, I've been in the store sometimes and we have a customer come in and, oh, I saw you on the news. And I'm thinking, oh, was it this segment from this last month or this it's segment? And they're like, exactly. They're like, oh, it was from it's this time ago. ago. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, it's just, you don't know again, where those things are out there. And as a marketer, like a traditional marketer with a degree in marketing, I know how many touch points it takes for the consumer to finally decide, oh, they see you on a billboard. They see you on the TV. They see you on social media in a magazine. And then a friend tells you about them. Then the friend is the one that pushes you over the edge. And you're like, okay, I'm going to come into the store now. So (laughs) that's as where Right. As a marketer, as an executive, as the business owner, that's where my brain is like, what is, where do I, where do I invest? And I think, unfortunately, I haven't come to a great answer. And that's why we do all of it and just kind of put it out there. So we're really trying to. You are invest, even if you're not spending a dollar on it, you are investing by spending your time. Yes. 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 
but I know the value of what that can produce for me. And I'm okay with investing my time versus my money. So like when people approach us and they're like, Hey, do you want to pay a couple thousand dollars? You can have your article on my website. I'm thinking, why would I pay you $3,000 when this other company is going to just put me on there and tell my story. And all I got to do is, you know, make a relationship and build a relationship. I'm going to give you this, right? The less the thing is predictable, the more it is influential. Mm. So when you pay for advertising, you know exactly what's going to be there. You know exactly what the message is. You know how it's going to look and you know where it's going to be. But in general, advertising is less influential than, Mm. and we call it earned, an earned media placement that you do not pay for, that you could not approve, that you couldn't predict. (laughs) Sometimes you're in it, sometimes you're not, right? But the less predictable the more influential and that drives traditional marketers crazy. Yes, it does. Crazy. Um, However, just keep that in the back of your head. The less predictable, the more influential. And you have to have a mix of what things you can predict and things you can't predict because I mean, this happens to us too. Like, so we do this for a living. We get emails seven, eight, nine months later than we sent the pitch okay, I'd really like to get a cop, you know, a copy of this. Like that product is sold out. We don't get that. We are on to the next thing. (laughs) But it happens all the time because reporters, no matter what publication you're at, they, you know, good ones, they keep their emails. They, I don't know how they sort them, but they have, they use, this is their first thing. When they're doing a story, they go to their email list first and they search Mm. for the topic in their email, the search bar. That's where they go first. The next place they go is Twitter. So if you're doing media relations and you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter because the next place they go is Twitter because every reporter has a Twitter handle. That is their currency for uh, timely news is Twitter. So they'll use Twitter to see, oh, am I going to get a bump out of this, right? Am I going to get a bump out of this because I'm going to put it on my Twitter feed. Is that person going to put them on their Twitter feed too? And can I easily find the person? And then they'll go to LinkedIn. So you may not be on LinkedIn, but from a thought leader's perspective, I would say you probably should be on LinkedIn. Oh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm okay, on good. LinkedIn. So that those things are so, so mm-hmm. important because it's their, their ecosystem, not your ecosystem. And that's the, that's the big switch, right? When you go from what's organic is you're going from your ecosystem and you want to go national to their ecosystem and how Absolutely. do you make it faster, right? But um, it sounds like you're doing all the right things. So that's great. Thank you. It's just very frustrating because you can't predict the things that are most influential. Yeah. (laughs) Leaning into what I shared earlier, right? I'm doing what I know how to do. I wouldn't say that I'm any smarter than somebody else. I'm just really fortunate to have had these life experiences that expose me to certain opportunities or certain strategies or tactics that it's like, I don't know anything better than to do this. And so it is, but just the perception is like, wow, you work really hard. I'm like, I do, but it's like, I love it. And I like doing these things. So that's why I do it. But I understand too, as the business scales, I wanted to mention one story because it was really funny and it happened to us really early on, you know, as any new business and you're thinking, oh, hell yes. Like finally got like my first media call. We, we had pretty much just opened. And I will also caveat when we first opened our retail, we didn't 
know what market we were getting into if there really right. was a market. Right. My parents are small business owners and they had an insurance agency with a front office that they allowed us to set up retail in. So oh we set up gosh. retail, not even in our own retail, not even with like big retail windows. This is like a office complex, not no foot traffic. And we're like, okay, we're restart CBD. Me and my sister would show up and go to work and wait for the door to open customers to come in. Well, we had launched a pet product and one day early in the morning, I'm getting ready for work. And I get a call from our local, like Fox seven news. Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm the reporter. I see that you have this pet CBD. We want to do a special tonight on pet CBD. Can we come interview you at your store? And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, I kind of come from the belief all, all press is good press. <laughs> and so I say, yes, I'm like, I'll meet you there. Let's do it. She comes, she films. We had our family dog. He came to the store. We're recording. And then, and everything went fine. They asked, you know, questions, we answered them. And then that night during the news, we're all watching, waiting. And the way that they had positioned the story was like almost would you give your pet CBD? That could be dangerous for them. But then they actually did a poll and asked like the community. And luckily the poll was very in favor of it. So their kind of investigation approach turned into very positive um, press for us. And it is still providing dividends. Again, people go back to that that, you know, it lives forever. It lives forever. And that was like three and a half years ago, but it was one of those things when it happened, I was so happy because that was the first time somebody had actually reached out to us for press. I said, yes. And after the fact, all my media friends were like, you need to start asking questions. Like what questions are you going to ask me? And how is this going to be positioned? And you know, what is this going to kind of look like? Yeah. What's your angle? So now I'm much more prepared when I get these calls again, luckily it was in favor for us. Don't but, do it shaded then. No, no. <laughs> but I'm so excited. It was our first time. So I'm just sharing yeah. it for people who are yeah. eager to get press. It's like, yes, you want the press, but you also want to make sure that the story is going to, to your point, it's unpredictable. I didn't know if the Both poll ways. was- yeah. What if the poll was like, I don't want to give CBD to my pet right. and this is, you know, the devil's lettuce. And then here I am, this person with her lettuce. face on it, like- you, you live know, in the South, the devil's I lettuce. I do, I do live in the <laughs> South. It's very apparent. But yeah, that was a, a, lear- a learning awesome. lesson that wasn't as damaging as it perhaps yeah. could have been had I, you know, been more prepared to ask those questions up front. Yeah. Well, you live, you learn, right? Good thing that I'm so glad it came out well for you. Um, I've kept you so long. I can't even believe it, Shada. And we haven't even talked about everything we wanted to talk about, but um, I'm just so impressed. I'm so Thank impressed you. with you. You know, you have this product that helped you, you turn it into, uh, well, you lost your job, but you turned it into, you know, ongoing concern that has, you know, you lasted four years. Most companies don't last three years. Most new companies don't get past that three years. So you made it past that first uh, three-year threshold. You should be so proud of yourself. Thank you. Um, and you've done all this work. So you know the pain of, of making things happen. And you just tried some things and then something you tried it and did it again. But the fact that you stepped right into it, so many entrepreneurs don't step into it. You're like, what if it's not perfect? Doesn't have to be perfect, right? What if it's not perfect? Most of it is actually more believable when it's not perfect. Leave you with that. Um, If you had to tell anybody who was starting their own company or they were ready to, do you think they were ready to like start spreading the word? What would you, what would your advice be? 
starting a company, looking to spread the word in particular, Mm -hmm. I would probably say invest in how you're going to present yourself Mm -hmm. first and foremost. So whether you hire somebody to do media training or a PR firm to execute on procuring this press for you, having that package prepared so that you can give somebody a headshot give them high quality photos of your products and your, your business, your services, having your bio written and ready to go. Those things really have paid dividends as we've reinvested in them. So for us as like an extension of that best practice, we hire a photographer to come take new headshots at minimum once a year. Sometimes I do it biannually just because I want to have fresh content for me and my team. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just constantly, you know, being prepared to be the recipient of these opportunities. And probably the second part of that is kind of in line with what you're saying, put yourself out there. So don't, if you deselect yourself, then you have no opportunities. But if you put yourself out there and you're getting yeses and no's, well, at least you're getting some yeses, be prepared for the no's. Not everybody's going to want to tell your story, but you got to be networking. You got to be in your community, figuring out, you know, even at a, at a high level. Right. So I mentioned, obviously we hired this PR firm, but I know who's writing about the topics that I would love to be written about. Right. Do you go follow them on Twitter? Do, are they local? Do you try to you know, shake hands with them at an event if you see them? Creating some sort of association and familiarity with these media personalities is really important in the right. long run for us. Again, when that opportunity comes up, then we're ready to go and deliver on the ask. I think that's really um, an excellent point. You never know when someone's a, you know, in a, a media reporter, they're always looking for good sources. No one has enough good sources. So don't be shy. That's their job. Their job is to get good sources. And yes, they may be like, oh God, another person coming to talk to me, but that is their job. And if you can be ready with, hi, George from Austin today. I don't even know if that exists. It doesn't, <laughs> so but maybe it could. You. My name is blah, blah, blah. And here's my company. And you know, when you do a story about cannabis or the, and these five things about cannabis, if you need a source, we're ready to go. And if you can just do that, they're like, please give me your card. So a lot of people say, don't you don't need cards anymore? You do need cards. I was just about to say, have a business yes, card. A business card. You need business cards. Paper <laughs> is queen. You Paper need to have is it. Queen. So true. So, but just say, and you can put on the back of your business card, like the topics, even if you wanted to. Oh yeah, make special business cards for it. Yeah, exactly. That's why there's space there. Anyway, so impressed. I want you to come back in a year and tell us where you've been and how successful your PR team has been. I hope, I hope, I hope. Um, And uh, you have such great stuff to share. It's so great. Thank you so much. I'm so excited and look forward to where the next year will take us and just grateful for the platform to speak about this topic because it is, it's so important for small businesses, especially in today's day and age where everything is transitioning into digital and you can connect with consumers outside of your, you know, zip code and geography, whether you service them or not, it's always good to be prepared, have your you know, your best foot forward, your best face forward, have the assets that you need to be able to communicate and convey your quality, your thought leadership. And, you know, that's what we've been trying to adopt and and beat. So can't communicate. You don't got a business. The end. The end. (laughs) (laughs) On that note.
Until next time, I'm Lee Carraher, and this is On The Map. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to On The Map. If you're a successful entrepreneur of a company, or if you are a, a marketing executive who has had success on getting on the map in your industry, or your location, or among certain different consumers or customers, I would love to talk to you about how you did it, what programs and tactics you use to become known, become famous for what you do, the difference you make for your customers and your clients or your consumers. Um, In order for you to apply, just go over to my website, go.double-forte.com backslash podcast slash guest. And that's a mouthful. It'll be in the show notes. So just go down there and apply. We are publishing on the map all the time with awesome guests who are sharing for from the trenches ideas and success stories that we can all apply in our own businesses. So it to get all of the shows and not miss anything, please subscribe. And I so appreciate you if you can also give me a thumbs up or give me a rating. This helps the show be seen. I can't under, you can't underestimate the power of a a thumbs up and I would really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And now it's time for you to go get on the map.